Here at Siren Soapbox, we believe that if you wait until something is perfect to share it, then the world may never see it. This episode isn't our best work, but we sure are proud that we put ourselves out there. We are lifelong learners and explorers, and we lead by example. We want our early work to be proof of that. We've learned and grown so much over the last year, and if you're new here, we invite you to listen to our show starting with the most recent episode, then work your way back. You are not alone, because there is strength in sisterhood. No one knows that better than Annie, Becky, Jess, Lauren, Mary, and Tracy. Six lovely sirens who have been through the storms of life and help one another through the other side. Join them in this safe space to unwind with these uniquely minded women as they sound off on a different topic each week with some tips and tricks for everyday quandaries along the way. They don't always agree, but they will always love each other. Now, let's dive into another amazing episode of the Siren Soapbox. Hello and welcome back to Siren Soapbox. Over the course of the past few weeks, the sirens have gone down a self-discovery and spiritual rabbit hole, so to speak, with our first episode this year with a very heated discussion of The Secret. Eventually on to the Manifestation Babe workshop, even the topic of aliens has organically led us down to wanting to dive in and talk more about meditation. What exactly is it? How do we start our meditation journey? Maybe we'll even dispel some myths tonight because we have a very special guest who is an expert on the subject matter. Before we get to our very special guest, the sirens are going to get on their two-minute soapbox and discuss why they want to get into meditation and if they have any experience that they want to talk about. If at any time the discussion gets too heated, the safe word is mango. Mango. First up on her soapbox is Jess. Hello. Um, I definitely am not going to go two minutes tonight um, because I don't really know anything about meditation. Um, I am curious about it because I am essentially made of anxiety and glitter. So I would really like to learn some ways to maybe calm that. Um, not the glitter, because glitter. Oh, no, don't do that. <laughs> glitter is essential. Um, but, yeah, definitely the anxiety, um, just especially over the last, you know, hashtag 2020 and now 2020 part two. Um, would definitely like to learn some methods for just maybe – calming and and not being so distracted by everything and and all that so i am just very curious really that's i'm along for the ride so my turn now yes (laughs) all right good good job jess okay so literally everything in my life i feel like is pointing me towards this uh in 2019 to 2020 i led a retreat and our theme was come to the quiet and it was all about trying to learn how to be still and the world is very noisy and distracting and it's hard to try and find a few minutes to just be quiet and listen to you know the higher powers that be and uh i'm very goal and action oriented so it's very hard for me to just like sit still And um, we've already discussed a couple of the reasons and topics that the podcast has already kind of gone over. Three, soon to be four, all have this common thread of meditating and listening to your higher self. And it's like, how do we how do we do this? Um, I do feel like I'm very in tune with what I want, listening to my gut, but I'd love to be able to tap into my intuition more. Um, I even accidentally picked up a magazine on meditation uh, just a couple weeks ago. It was called Kindfulness. And uh, another example of how, like, everything is just pointing me towards meditation, I transported a sick great blue heron on Sunday for a local rescue. And I did some quick research online to um, make sure I had the correct PPE and knew how to handle the animal. And one of the results that came up on the search is if you cross a great blue heron, it means to meditate and contemplate and that you are right where you need to be. And I'm like, just like everything in my life is pointing me to this. So with my very limited experience, my mom always just said she would do it and that I should. And without getting into the how, I guess it's so simple that maybe it's hard. 
Um, and then I did find a book, my only book that I have on meditation. It's called Fuck That. Which, by the way, I, I beat Mary Hodge. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> but it's called uh, Fuck That, an Honest Meditation by Jason Headley. And an expert excerpt from that is called Breathe In Strength, Breathe Out Bullshit. Wow. There's my two minutes. <laughs> wow, that was perfect. All right, well, I... Um... I'm down this path, you know, very similarly, like Elsie. I mean, we've been doing the soapbox together now for, I think this is our 14th or 15th episode. And um, it, it just seems like this is a path we've been heading down. I've tried to meditate a couple of times and I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so that's, <laughs> that's, that's why I'm here. Um, I want to know, I want to know how to do it. I want to know how like are there methods for actually quieting the mind because I have a really hard time with that and I'd like to know I'd like to know if there's like an aha moment during your while you learn how to meditate is there like do you is there like oh I I felt it that time I know I I feel like I did it correctly that time and and I don't know that that's a thing but I'm just curious about that I guess and Besides, you know, Jess mentioned the quieting the anxiety and the spending time with yourself and quieting your mind, just besides the, the um, calming, I, I would assume the, the, the calming relief that sort of comes with that, what are the other health benefits of meditation? So those are my questions, and that was my very short soapbox this morning. And now, oh, this morning, it is seven eighteen p.m. Friends, I'm not and doing I over again. <laughs> and I morning, pass it on. Morning somewhere, Mirahaj. It's well, morning that's true. That's true. And now it's on to you, Tracy. All right. Well, um. I also feel like all of the arrows in my life have been pointing me toward meditation, and I feel like I put it off about as long as I could. Not purposefully, I just haven't actively sought out meditation until Elsie um, and I were either talking or chatting, I'm not sure which, and we realized that both of us just were feeling this huge push and urge to learn how to meditate, and so um, we mentioned it, and Merhaj just about lost it because she also wanted to do that. And so here we are. Um, I am also a goal oriented person and I feel like lately I haven't had clarity about my goals. And what I'm, what I'm saying is I actually have no idea what my next goal is or where I want to go from where I am. And so we're doing uh, the begin with yes, 21 day journal and he wants us to come up with a goal. And I've really struggled for the last three days in a row because it's all based on that goal that I just can't come up with. And I feel like my moments of clarity in my life typically come when I'm walking in the woods or when I'm diving, both of which are about as close to meditation as I get. Um, I always compare diving to meditation, and it is when I have the, the most... Um, clarity of mind. And so I'm really excited to learn more about meditation and to add that to, maybe that's my goal, um, <laughs> to add that to my life. And so that's why I'm here. And that's the end of my two minutes. So now I get to introduce our, um, our guest tonight. And our guest is Renee Heil, and she is a, uh, a very good friend of mine who um, it took both of us a little bit of time to realize how very much we are soul sisters. I think we both fought it all along the way until finally <laughs> we had to hug and agree that we love each other and <laughs> there are a lot of similarities. Um, she's an adventurer, she's an entrepreneur, she's a yogi, and she's a very good friend. She's also super intelligent and strong. And so when we decided that we wanted to learn how to meditate, um, I remember having her stretch me on the deck of a house in St. <laughs> John, and it was amazing. It was amazing. 
And so she's the first person who came to mind when we decided that um, we wanted to learn how to meditate. And I have full faith that we have put our trust in just the right person. So I'm very excited to learn from her in this series of meditative practices. Renee? So I guess it's Mike. Wow. Thank you very much, Tracy. Um, I think you're right. Yes, you and I went um, kicking and screaming into this fabulous friendship that I truly appreciate. And um, I'm really honored that you guys invited me to come in and talk about meditation and share some meditation techniques with you guys and, and sort of go down this rabbit hole of meditation and connecting to the higher self, the divine within, however you sort of want to talk about it. Um, I think I was taking notes as you guys were talking. Oh, good. We were hoping so, or at least one of us was hoping so. Yes. No, I was. <laughs> <laughs> so I tend to be very academically oriented. So I was taking notes, um, sort of trying to make sure that I covered a lot of the things that you guys were sort of wanting to learn about with meditation. And I think he here's the hardest piece and the piece that you're going to be like, okay, that's it. We're done. Hang up the phone, right? We're done with the pod podcast, right? The second is the fact that there is no right way to meditate, right? There is no single way to meditate. There is no right way to meditate. There's lots of different techniques that you can use to meditate, um, but you can't do it wrong. Um, so I think that the, the step number one is that you can't do it wrong. Um, when, it was funny when Tracy first reached out to me about this, I was like, she's like, you know, I really want to start a meditation practice. And I'm like, you already have a meditation practice, don't you? And she's like, no, I really don't. And I think it's because she doesn't necessarily define meditation and what she does do, right? So depending upon who you talk to will depend upon the description of, of meditation that you get, okay? Um, some, if you look at yogic text, it will be um, the first line of the yoga sutras is yoga chitta Ritta Naravaha, and I probably butchered that just a little bit. My Sanskrit's a little rusty. But what it, what it basically means is that yoga, right, the, the practice of yoga is the quieting of the fluctuations of the mind, right? Um, yoga has been referred to in meditation as quieting of the monkey mind, right? Part of yoga is a physical practice. That phys Those physical asanas is a moving meditation, so that diving piece that Tracy talked about or that walking in the woods piece that Tracy talked about is a type of meditation. It's a moving meditation. Um, if you've seen labyrinths, the really intricate labyrinths, I know Cincinnati Children's Hospital was putting one in um, a while ago, but those are specifically designed to have you be lost in the physical practice of just moving one foot in front of the other. If you talk to a psychologist or psychiatrist, they're going to tell you that breath work um, in particular is part of meditation. And it's a technique that we use in meditation all along and we, uh, all the time. We, and we use it, um, the mental, mental health practitioners will use it when they're doing, um, working with individuals with anxiety and and depression um, because it's known to help all of those. So I'm also, because of what I do in my academic training, I tend to be very experiential. So I'm gonna invite you guys to just try something and invite your guests to just try something for just a couple of minutes here. So get comfortable, right? Whatever that is, sit up nice and straight and tall, right? Um, get into a comfortable position and then shut your eyes, okay? Cause we don't really need to see anything. Not that you see a whole lot on a podcast, right? But what I want you to think about doing is we're going to take an inhale for three and an exhale for five. And we're going to do this as a collective. So we're going to take an inhale for one, two, three. Now exhale for one, two, three, four, five. Again, inhale. Exhale. One, two, four, five, inhale, exhale, one, five. We're going to lengthen it. Inhale for five, one, exhale, one, two, three, 
four, five, six, seven, eight. Again, inhale and exhale. Now, just keep your eyes soft and see if you feel a little bit differently now than you did when you started that breathing pattern just two, three minutes ago. Right? That's meditation. What we did just now in that few minutes is a simple meditation. And you can do that for three minutes like we just did, five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour. The time, amount of time is irrelevant. But that process, what it does physiologically for our body is it actually turns off or turns down that flight or fight response that is part of our sympathetic nervous system and that hyper drive, always going kind of anxiety level and starts to allow our parasympathetic nervous system to engage. And that's our rest and digest component. And if we look at 2020 or 2021 part part two, I loved, um, or 2021 part two, I love that Jess. Um, we're all in this heightened state of anxiety. The whole country is, the whole planet is. So it's not weird that we're all sort of feeling that energy happening and we're looking for some way to sort of quiet ourselves down. And that breathing technique is one that psychologists will use with people who are experiencing anxiety or even panic attacks um, because it will help to downregulate that production of those stress hormones. Um, that's one, go ahead. I'm sorry. It was interesting when I closed my eyes and did the breathing with you while you were counting, I I could feel my body just like quieting down. That was interesting. A lot of times what you, what you'll feel is what I feel is my shoulders will drop. I noticed that there's this physical piece. Even if you didn't realize your shoulders were here, right? That there's the shoulder piece that drops. Um, that I think can be really powerful. I think the other piece, there's two other pieces that I think are really important when you start a meditation practice. And one is acknowledging that starting a meditation practice is just like starting any other activity, whether it be a physical activity or learning a new skill, you can't do it all right away, right? You're supposed to struggle with it in the beginning and you're supposed to not do it well. So what I think happens is that people start to struggle with it and they assume that, well, I just can't meditate when it's like, no, you just need to take it in really small bites and find the type of meditation that, that works for you. I think the other piece, um, and I, I loved it. Um, Mary Hodge, when you said something in the beginning, we need to be kinder to ourselves, right? We need to not apologize for things that really are pointless for us to apologize for. But we also need to be kinder with ourselves, especially when it comes to meditation, because it won't be perfect in the beginning. And we have to be okay with that imperfection and embrace that imperfection. I think the hardest piece about yoga and meditation is this shift in mindset from it being a skill that we learn and master and move on to a skill that we're never able to master. And that is part of what it's supposed to be. You don't, you don't master meditation from a meditation perspective. You don't master meditation until you become enlightened. Right. And that may take, depending upon your philosophy, multiple lifetimes to reach that. Right. It's not something that you do tomorrow. The same thing with a yoga practice. I've been practicing yoga for a little more than 20 years now. And my yoga practice 20 years ago looked different than it does now. And I've, I experienced it different. But the poses that I do are the exact same poses. So what's changed is the yoga has changed how I approach it not necessarily what it's doing. And that's the way meditation works too, is that the deeper you get into it, the more you, the more you experience. Now, depending on the type of meditation that you do, there's a lot of meditations where you'll go into it with an intention, right? Um, so the goal, right? Elsie and um, TC, we're both talking about this goal. I'm, I'm supposed to have this goal. So if, if you're supposed to have this goal or you wanna have this goal, you can say, and you don't know what it is, You can ask yourself at the beginning of a meditation, okay, I don't know what this goal is. I don't know what I'm supposed to be feeling or what I'm supposed to be thinking. 
And then you go through your meditation. And then as you sit quietly at the end of most meditations, something pops into your head. Right. And now I'm not saying it's the answer. It's not like Vanna White turned over the card and something popped up. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the way it happens. But something pops into your mind. And if you continue and pull that thread on the sweater, it's going to take you to someplace. And it's probably someplace that you knew you were supposed to go or someplace that you were were struggling with. Um, And then the power in meditation comes not from the meditation, but comes then from what do you do with that? So it's not uncommon um, in certain physical um, practices. In yoga, when we do hip openers, um, we always caution students to be aware that if you do a lot of hip openers in a yoga class and you go to Shavasana, that final relaxation that you do at the end of class, right? Everybody's familiar with that. Typically, you're lying down on the, on the ground. Sometimes these intense emotions will pop up and you won't know where they're coming from. Or all of a sudden you'll burst into tears. That happens pretty regularly, especially if you're comfortable in the setting that you're in. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I have a, I ha- all right. So you mentioned the hip opener specifically. Is that specific to that? The reason I'm asking is because I have had problems with my hips for years and cannot figure out what is wrong with them. Like there's, it's not arthritis, nothing's torn. It's just achy hips. Is it possible that it's, that I'm carrying some crazy weird ass emotions in my hips that's causing that? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and it makes sense. So I'm, I'm trained as a scientist. I'm trained as a research scientist. Right. And so I approach everything with that makes total sense. And then I go dive into whether or not it's the term is biologic, biologically plausible. Right. So from a, if you talk to a yogi, they're going to tell you that hip openers are going to um, release emotions, especially pent up emotions. If you talk to a physiologist, we know that all of those, that stimulation of the sympathetic nervous system tends to affect the biggest muscles in our body, especially those ones that are associated with fleeing. Well, which muscles are those? The muscles of your hips and your legs and low back, right? Are you seeing where all this kind of fits together? So can you see the connection? I can see the connection where it's like, yeah, we store that there. Think of this, right? Talk about our body being, our body storing the emotions that we had. Mary, you were the one that mentioned it, right? You did that just what, three minutes of breathing. Was it really three minutes? It was not, it was not even three minutes. It was like short. It was super, super short. But the idea is you felt your body releasing. Yeah. Right. So you were changing your physical body through the, the other piece of what you were doing. And it was easy. I mean, we sat there for maybe a minute or two, just breathing. Right. Yeah. So I think, and that's just one technique. Um, in, in yoga, we call it pranayama. Um, there's a lot of different breathing techniques that you can use. Um, there's a counting meditation that you can do. Um, those are all kinds of, of things that you can do. You know, I'm going to pause again because I'm going back to this freaking hip thing. I, I was, <laughs> I know you guys think I'm wacky, but seriously, I, I like a couple of years ago, I remember I starting yoga. It might have even been with you, Renee, and I just couldn't get into it. Like the first couple of times I did it, I felt sad. And I don't know if I told you that because I was going I was struggling with some depression too. But I I think that it was the it was like the first couple of sessions that I did at that time. It didn't help me. It like it hindered my emotions, but it sounds like that was a natural process and that was okay. I should have had some more communication with my yogi <laughs> is what it sounds like. Well, it, it does. And I think it's, you know, now we're touching, we're going down, talk about going down a rabbit hole. But I know I, this is what happens, but I think welcome to the siren soapbox, Renee. Yes. I love it. <laughs> um, the way my mind works. I think it is a, a piece of larger communication. I think the other piece of it, too, is trying to understand the deeper piece of yoga. A lot of times people go to yoga, the physical asana practice, right? Warrior one, sun salutations. From a physical perspective, I need to be more flexible. 
Um, I want to lose some weight. I want to gain some strength. Not realizing how it's connected to our emotional body. Yeah. And And it sounds like it's connected to our emotional body, whether you're aware of it or not. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And so you will find that. Um, I just had a client, a private client the other day. Um, I worked with her three times. She was in town, a referral from a family member in town. And the last session, she burst into tears. And her sister was there, was there with me. And her sister was like, first of all, her husband died six months ago. She's dealing with all kinds of stuff. She won't let anybody in and she won't let any of this stuff go. But when she finally let it go, she went back home and now she's able to take that next step forward in what her life looks like from here. Now, I am not a psychologist. I don't play one on TV. That's not my background. But sometimes you get these really strong emotions that come up. And the best thing that you can do is then go seek out those individuals that are qualified to deal with that because we are trained I think either as women or in the Western world of an emotion happens. And what do we do? Stuff it down, stuff it down. They retreat into our shell. (laughs) Stuff it down, down, right? And then um, that's not a good thing, right? Then it gets written on our body. It becomes part of that piece. And then we can't really move on from those things until we work through them and let them go. And sometimes that is, sometimes that takes a while depending upon what caused those emotions. Yeah. That's interesting. I just wish that, you know, hindsight's always 20-20. I wish I would have told you how I was feeling. And I wish, I don't even know if it was you I was working with at the time, but it probably was. Um, Because I think you were the, in recent years, you introduced me again to yoga. But I, um, I should have told you how I was feeling. So you could have said to me, that's normal. Right. And it makes sense. And I, you know, I just didn't think, I didn't think that the two were connected, I guess. Well, but I think you're also touching on another point that I think in my, from my perspective is a really important one, right? We don't talk about depression. We don't talk about mental health. We don't talk about anxiety. And when we do, we're like, yeah, I have a little anxiety or yeah, I have, instead of being, no, I'm struggling with this right now. This is what my issue, right? This is where I'm at. And once you do, you realize that you're not the only one. I struggle with anxiety, right? And I I know what I need to do to manage it. Um, And my wife will tell you when I don't manage it, (laughs) my butt back in gear, start managing it better. Um, But we don't, we don't talk about that. Right. right. And that I don't think is good for anybody. No, I agree with that, especially being remote. And um, like I've, I've struggled with my job a little bit this year. This is taking a weird turn, this conversation. But, well, 2020, not 2021, I struggled at work just because of being isolated. And it was hard to have that conversation with my boss. It wasn't that I wasn't capable of doing my job. I was... And I was struggling with the depression piece of it, but it's hard to have that conversation to your point with people. And it, sh- it shouldn't be, it should be the same as I have a freaking headache that crippled me this morning. You know what I mean? Right. right. So. And it should be, and it should be, but meditation is one of those tools that you can put in your toolbox to deal with it. So someone asked, I have to go back, Mary, I think it was you that asked. All right. So what is the health benefits, right? Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, we have done, we, I mean, the scientific community has done a significant amount of research into holistic um, modalities to the point where everyone is at this point is really familiar with um, Fauci and hit the institute that he directs for the National Institutes of Health. There is an institute at the National Institutes of Health for complementary and alternative medicine as well. Um, So there's a whole division that's looking specifically at yoga, meditation, um, acupuncture, Reiki, all of these other um, holistic uh, modalities and the impact that they have trying to quantify them. So with meditation, if we want to try to narrow it just down to meditation, we know we're confident that meditation reduces stress. 
we're confident that it reduces because we can see it reduce cortisol levels. We can measure the cortisol levels, which is the stress hormone that you produce. So we can measure it before or after um, a meditation session and we can see improvements in that. Um, uh, it lowers blood pressure. If you look at, um, athletes have known this for a really long time. Um, if you look at, it's the biathlon in the Olympics where they um, cross country ski and then they drop and they have to shoot. Well, so if you think about how hard you're working when you're cross country skiing and then to have the precision, they use breath work coming into that transition in order to be able to settle themselves so that they can be as precise as they need to be. And the better, more efficient the athlete is, the better it is. Um, so we know that it reduces heart rate, blood pressure. Um, it changes how our nerves fire. It improves digestion, digestion because it changes, um, it turns off that sympathetic and turns on that parasympathetic nervous system. And that's just some of the things that we know. But I think one of the things that, and again, some of this meditation, at least from my perspective, ties into some of these other things, is that here's a question for you ladies. How much time do you spend each day during doing self-care? Right? And so meditation is a piece of, self, of self-care. That was like the only question we've never answered. <laughs> No, because everybody's thinking, oh, shit, there are probably days where we haven't even showered because we're all working from home or, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now, well, and, and I don't know if a shower necessarily counts as self-care, right? Thank you. Because I was going to say that, like, I don't count that as self-care unless I just need the, I need good water pressure and warm water. And then it's more about the water flow than the shower. But yeah. they gave we me have... some shower bombs. That's right. They're good. I need a shower to wake up. That's like, that's how I oh, get I my routine. I have like, if I'm doing something that day, I have to shower. That gets my mind like in that zone. So that was actually a, a question I had. Is there like a certain place or a time somebody should meditate to, to get their benefits from it? Okay, so when I taught at the university, everyone, my students hated me, and you guys are probably going to fall into the same category. The answer is, it depends. Okay, so, and what I mean by that is, ultimately, you want to have a meditation practice. So just like you schedule a time for yourself to go to the gym, right, or to do any other self-care activity, brush your teeth, right? You know when you brush your teeth, right? My kids brush their teeth right after dinner so they don't eat anything before they go to bed, right? Or you could brush your teeth right before bed. If you create a pattern and a habit, you're more likely to stick with it. There is a school of thought that says you should do it first thing in the morning because your mind is not quite awake and engaged yet. So if you ever have that feeling when you first wake up, not when you wake up to an alarm clock, but you first wake up and everything's sort of ethereal, for lack of a better term, if you can harness that, it makes meditation easier because your mind's not stimulated. If you're a morning person like me, you shoot out of bed like a hot rocket, and it's easier to meditate at night, right? Because you've already spent through that energy. Some people find it better to meditate before they exercise. Some yogis will tell you that the only time to meditate is after they exercise. So it really depends for you. So for you ladies, what I would challenge you guys to do is one, to pick a time that would work for you, right? You're going to want to find, and then you're going to want to create a space. Okay. And that we talk about that space being a sacred space. And I talk about it for me, it's a sacred space, but it's also a sacred time, right? You have to, if you want to create a meditation practice, you have to protect that time like you would any other time that you is important to you, right? So if you're not going to carve out the time and protect that time and put that effort in, it's not going to work. Now, the flip side of that is when it doesn't work, because chances are something won't work, don't beat yourself up and decide that you just can't meditate. The answer is to go, okay, why my, one of my favorite books is fail forward, right? So why didn't it work? Okay. 
all right, well, if I get up in the morning, I can tell you one of my challenges right now, I get up in the morning and so does my puppy dog, Saba, right? Makes meditation a little hard when you have a puppy that just wants to be petted and played with, right? Not the ideal time for meditation. So you just have to find a different a different window to create that. It's not that you can't meditate. It's that you've got a dog or a kid or a husband or a wife or... Does that help? Um, the other piece of it is, and we talked about this, we talked about this in the course that you guys are going to take. So you guys are t taking this two week course on meditation, right? And this is the kickoff of it. And then I think towards the end of the course, we're going to check back in and see how it goes. But one of the activities of the course is to find this space to meditate. Um, I can tell you that for me, I can't have a lot of cl clutter. Like I can't have a lot of stuff when I go to meditate because I get, I start to focus externally instead of bringing that focus in inward. There's two ways to solve this. One is you go on a massive cleaning binge and purge all this stuff and create the space. Jess is laughing at me, right? And, you know, that that's step number one. Love to. <laughs> yeah. So do it. Right. Maybe that's I'm your thinking that I'm going to do that. My house is so small. I just need to do that. I need to purge and make the whole house my sacred space. Well, you can do that, but that may take you a little while. Might I suggest you start small? I think the houses be right. Start small. What I found is really great is I took my favorite big blanket and I tend to meditate in our office which I share with my wife, which tends to not always be the neatest thing on the planet. And I throw the blanket over the top of the desk. Oh. And I can't see the clutter and it doesn't distract me. That's a good idea. I have a thinking about that. I have a lot Day. of clutter. <laughs> you, 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 you have a lot of Jess, that surprises me. I have two husbands, so... <laughs> Currently. Not really. She's not really a Mormon. I know. I'm trying to figure that out. So you might need to explain a little bit more for our sirens. Yeah. Or our sons. Have, our sons. I have mine, and then my brother-in-law is currently with us, so we have extra stuff. Ah. Uh, yeah, so you need to find, you need to find a closet, right, and claim the closet as your own. <laughs> well, I think... I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to, and I've been working on this actually recently, I'm going to make my bedroom my sacred space. That's perfect. It's now, a small room. It's not very cluttered anyway, so that'll be a good place to start. Yeah, so one, one caveat, um, it's called snoring meditation, right? Be conscious of the position that you start your meditation in. If you're doing it in your bedroom, on your bed, when you're um. tired, Right. So just make sure that you sit up. Right? Maybe. Was, yeah. Maybe I'll put a spot like in front of my bed on the floor or something. Yeah. Where I have yeah. my pillows. Maybe I can make that if, if I have enough space, I can just put a yoga mat and I could do a whole practice there. It could just be like sure. my space. Mm hmm. So when we go, when I'm at the ashram, I belong to an ashram over here in uh, Miramar, Florida. It's outside of Fort Lauderdale. Um, and we have satsang. Um, every morning and evening. So satsang is, um, I would equate it to yogi church. So it's about two hours. You sit in quiet meditation or in chanting meditation for a period of time. Then you sit in quiet meditation for a period of time. And then the guru talks um, and sort of gives a sermon. I was brought up Catholic, so it's the, the way that I would equate it to. And gives a sermon or a teaching that you're supposed to think about. Um, and then you do that in the morning and the evening and and do ashram things during the day. Um, but yeah, that's how we, uh, some yogis will get up and do a practice, a little bit of a practice beforehand. Um, my 16 year old, 17 year old um, literally rolls out of bed and walks to her mat with like, you, I think I, I'm not even hundred percent sure she hits the bathroom before she hits the ground. <laughs> require getting up five minutes earlier than she wants to <laughs> <laughs> but that's how she starts her day is that that's how she starts the day she's at the ashram and she's trying to do it as part of her daily life but it's hard yeah you know, it's easy to want to sleep in or press the snooze button 
Right. So you asked how much time we spend doing self-care and all of us to some extent or another have been journaling regularly, almost daily, daily for some of us, almost daily for some of us, but um, she's, she's looking at me friends. I, I <laughs> I'm looking at Jess. <laughs> Jess, high five. <laughs> Tracy, <laughs> high five. <laughs> I'm thinking for me, I, what I'm going to try, if it works, um, I, I love a slow morning. Drinking coffee is somewhat of a ritual for me, not just um, not just a routine, but a ritual. So I think I'm going to try some meditation before journaling. And um, my intention for my meditation is going to be more clarity during journaling or something to that extent. But I think meditating before journaling might help me. Yeah, no, I think, and that's what I, that's what I recommend in the course is that you have each, you journal, right? And you document in part because the brain processes information differently when you physically write something down, right? I, I, the science behind it is amazing. I'm not a, a neuroscientist, so I don't understand all of it, but your brain processes the information differently. So the idea is that you do try that. Um, and then throughout the course, I'm going to give you five or six different types of meditations for you guys to try with the idea that you find one that works for you and that you have a toolbox of these to use when those don't. Okay. And so as we, as we talked about the fact that meditation is a lifelong process, it's not something that you, you learn the skill and move on and, and that's the end of it. Right. If you find yourself having a day, um, where you're stressed, right. The day before was really crazy. And I do most of my meditations in the morning, the day before is really crazy and you just can't seem to settle in. You have to use a different meditation technique right? Because it's harder to, to turn that brain off or to get it to go into that calmness or to turn within. Other common ways of, of, of meditating are mantras, right? And a mantra is just a saying that you're repeating over, over and over again, right? And it can be anything. It can be a prayer. Um, you know, the first mantra that I was ever taught was saying the rosary, Right? Because you're repeating the same thing over and over and over again with the idea that you're focused in on one thing. And it's the qualities of, right, when you say Hail Mary, it's the qualities of Mary that you're trying to focus on, right, and connect to, right? That's interesting. I was raised Catholic as well, and I never considered the rosary a form of meditation, but that makes total sense. Yeah. And so if you, if you watch most yogis meditate, right, they have a mala. Um, and I don't have my, I can, I know where my mala is. Pause that. It'll be fun to see the different types of meditation because I've always felt like the the breathing type of meditation was going to be the one that, um, that spoke to me. So I'm, I can't wait to see I don't know. Have yeah. you guys ever thought about that? Like which type you think will? No. And I never, I guess it never really occurred to me that there are multiple types. I know when we started this um, conversation, Renee said that your diving and hiking are moving meditations. Well, duh. I never like considered that. Yeah. But I think diving is a moving meditation, but also a breathing meditation. Breathing meditation. Yeah. yeah, for sure. You're right. Well, and think about it. You guys are all divers. What's the first thing that you're taught to do with an anxious diver? Slow their breathing down. Right? Why? Because it changes how they're approaching things. The meditation that I find, I like the most, I like mantras. I like repeating a mantra over and over again because it gives, it does two things. One, it gives your brain something to focus on, right? And then you can tell when your mind wanders because you can't repeat it. Ah, interesting. Right. Yeah. So I like, I like mantras. Um, the other thing that I like, and this is physics is chanting, right? So chanting is just singing. Let's be, let's, you know, if we really want to take it out of, you know, a certain word, chanting is just singing. But what we know from any sound is that it has a vibrational quality to it. 
right? And so different chants will have different vibrational qualities. Now, if you put one or two people in the room chanting the same thing, that vibrational feeling is elevated and you can feel it. So if you get a group of people chanting the same thing in a room or singing the same thing in the room, and we've all felt it at a concert, concert, yep, a church, right? Chanting, it's you get that feeling, right? Well, if you look at the physics, everything, every body, every object has its own vibrational frequency, right? And all you are is tuning into those frequencies. And the idea is that if you're chanting something that's spiritual in nature, you're better connecting to the divine within. Interesting. I've always called that, um, that whole, that concert feeling, um, mass elation. When everybody is singing the same thing and you're looking around and everyone's smiling and you're, you're all, I it's mass elation. And I, I love the idea Vibration is another word that just keeps coming up all the time. Yes. I was thinking I was going to bring that up. Yep. It's even in the it's even in the freaking Dean Koontz novel that I'm reading right now, which, by the way, I can't wait to tell you about because it includes manifestation and aliens. And it's just a Dean Koontz novel that was on sale on Amazon. So I bought it to read it. But anyway, send um, it to me. Send us a name. Now we all have to read it and do <laughs> a Siren Soapbox Quarterly Book Corner on it. Yeah, but that, that, that vibrational piece is really important. So you see it, yeah, a concert is a perfect a perfect example of that. Um, and that's where OM, like the one of the most common chant, uh, meditations and chants is to repeat OM, right? So OM is, the thought is OM is the sound that the universe made when it was formed, right? Or it's that fundamental sound of the universe. That's the concept. It is very much of a humming sound. There's a humming bee meditation where you hum like a humming bee. Um, and it's that vibrational piece that's in the back of your throat when you say OM. And OM is actually sort of three syllables. It's that ah, that O, oh, and that mm piece at the end. But if you get a group of people that are completely present in their behavior and oming at the same time, you can feel it vibrate your chest. Oh. Um, so one of the things that I invite, I'm inviting you guys to do as part of this course is that through the yoga studio that I own, we do Tuesdays and Thursday mornings at 7 a.m. Eastern time, a free 30-minute meditation. So I've added you guys into that. Um, it's an online thing. So what will happen is you guys should all get an email um, 30 minutes beforehand. So it's 630, 630 um, and you can hop on. So click on the email. It'll prompt you to log into our, the MindBody site. Um, and you guys will be able to um, participate in that if you choose. Right. Um, Wait, will you get it tomorrow morning? Yeah. Yes. I'm so excited. <laughs> That might be too late for Tracy. Yeah, it might be too late for Tracy, but I'm going to record it. I'm going to start recording them so that I can have a, a catalog that you can then watch. Tracy might be a day behind or she might be watching Thursday morning, might be watching Tuesday's meditation. Um, but we go through some of these and we do different ones depending upon what's going on. Another powerful, in my mind, powerful Buddhist meditation um, is called a meta meditation or a loving kindness meditation. Um, and in that meditation, you repeat a mantra um, over and over, but you send that out first to yourself, which is hard, then to your family, and then to your friends, then to your town, then to the state, then to the to the larger nation and to the larger world. And after the riots on the Capitol, we had meditation the next morning um, and we did that and I couldn't complete the meditation. I just started crying. Everyone in the room just started crying because it was so hard to try to send positive energy and hoping that everyone was that was safe that was potentially involved in the causing of some of that. Right. But if you can release yourself from that and truly just give um, that energy forward, it can be really powerful. It's that um, gratitude. Haven't you guys been doing a gratitude practice, too? 
I think that's on our list. Yeah, we and we've been doing it individually at least. I know that TC does for sure, and I have been. Jess is doing one through work, right? Aren't you oh doing yeah, she did a thirty day gratitude exercise at work. Yeah, I think we all, in one way or another, have been doing some sort of practicing of gratitude. Yeah, and and gratitude, you know, if it if you have something that you're grateful for, repeating that can be its own meditation. So questions, because I could talk about this for the next three days, which I don't really think is ultimately the goal. <laughs> well, this is just, also fascinating because I know like there were parts of our therapy episode that have come up tonight that I wanted to like chime in on. And there are parts of the alien episode that we we talked about. And like in that he talked about they were meditating as a group. And in the surrounding areas, was it like hospitalizations went down, violence went down. So it's interesting how it's all playing together in that collective. Yeah, the meta meditation that you're referring to. That is so interesting to me. In that in that alien documentary, they said that if you can get one percent of the population on the same vibration, it can increase the mood and the um, energy of the area. Isn't that the whole theme behind Ghostbusters, the first Ghostbusters? Oh, I'm going to have to rewatch it. I have no idea, Renee. <laughs> it's the second one. We caught it the end of it on television the other day, but they have to, you know, New Yorkers were so negative. The slime was in, in gate. Uh, That's right. Oh, my gosh. Their negativity. Yeah. And then they all had to sing at the end yes. and change that vibration. Oh my gosh, I just had visions of Elf. Everybody singing. Me too. I was thinking about <laughs> Elf too. <laughs> and yeah, so that everybody singing so Santa could fly. And also I had visions of the water crystallization and the energies creating the different oh, yeah. crystals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Some right. More like jagged and ugly versus smooth and beautiful. Uh, fascinating. All right, so Renee, I just want to clarify our takeaway, our homework before we meet next is to figure out the time of day or, you know, work into kind of our pattern, what time of day is best for us to meditate and find our sacred space, our sacred space and our sacred time. Is that, does that sound right? Yep. So you're going to have to do those two things for sure. Okay. The way that I've set this up is that you guys are going to get an email every day from me. Hopefully you already got the first one. If not, we'll work through the technology piece and make sure that you guys got the the first um, one. But you'll get an email every day, which will have a meditation exercise in it for you and more information on meditation. And what I'm going to challenge you guys to do is I'm going to give you information and you're going to read it. And some piece of it's going to speak to you. And some piece of it you're going to go... Okay, I'm not really interested in that. Embrace the piece that speaks to you. Ignore the rest of it and keep it as a resource and go back to it at some point in the future. I put hyperlinks into everything if you want to go deeper into any piece of it to sort of start pointing you down that path. If that's the rabbit hole you end up in, that's fine. Um, But just so you know, that's sort of how the, the course is set up. So you'll get an email every day. Tuesdays and Thursdays, you guys will get an email to join us in our online meditation if you choose. Um, And then my challenge to you guys truly is to journal um, every day, that day, what your experience was with the meditation that day, as well as, or the the day before, and try not to be self-critical. Right. I think that's the other piece of it, the, the other rule that's there. In, in yoga, we talk about um, detachment. Right. And it's not that there's not an emotional attachment, but it's that we don't want to be putting. Some things just are. They're not positive. They're not negative. They just are. Right. And so look at yourself as that just are. You know, it's it's not that you couldn't meditate or you were bad at meditation. It just maybe wasn't the right meditation for you and try to look at it from that perspective. Or the other cue that I would give you would be to look at if you start to become self-critical, what would one of the other sirens say to you if they heard you saying that? Right. 
And if they would reach out and smack you on the back of the head, right, <laughs> then that's probably not the way that you should be talking to yourself. <laughs> now, I'm Agreed. equally as guilty of doing that, but I think that that's a good practice, a practice for us all to do as well. And then I guess in the next week or two, we're going to loop back together and you guys can tell me how that's when your real homework is, because then I'm not going to talk. I want to hear from you guys on what you thought. What did you learn? (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited about that episode. Um, So it looks like we are going to be recording that on um, Monday, the 15th of March. So it's a little more than two weeks or is that exactly two weeks? Maybe three weeks. It's a Monday. So, yeah, I think it's like three weeks away. Um, but that'll give us time to complete all of the activities and then um, loop Clean back our together. Houses. Yeah, exactly. Declutter <laughs> the houses. Find the closet, Jess. <laughs> um, clothes, but it could work. <laughs> or should we do it exactly two weeks from tonight? And Let's we can always figure- move that 21 day. Let's figure that detail out later, Merhanj. Oh, yeah, that's right. We're recording. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, do we have any other questions then for Renee? Or are we uh, ready to wrap this up for the week? I'm, like, excited to get started. I'm sure I'm going to have more questions when we follow up again. But I'm excited to take this journey and see what what happens. Me too. Well, and and realize that if – if there are questions that come up, it's not like I fell off the planet between now and the next time. We're <laughs> we can set up some follow-up stuff and I'd be happy to talk to anybody individually as well. Just send me a message and we'll find a time to, to get together and, and chat because I'm sure questions will come up. So, you. Jess, you said you were along for the ride and I, I hate to like, um, call you out but i'm curious what you're thinking after all this oh, and you've yeah, been really quiet too, actually i have a pounding headache so that's why i'm oh, like I'm sorry jess i was fine i i took some ibuprofen before we started and i'm drinking so between the two <laughs> hopefully it'll be away. um but no i'm i mean even just the couple minutes of deep breathing we did i definitely like i felt sleepier but I feel like that's a good thing because that definitely means that I'm like calming. Right. So I'm, I'm curious. I'm, I mean, I'm interested to try it. I, you know, I, I didn't feel something like pointing me to it, but I, um, the the three of us pointed you to it. (laughs) We were like, (laughs) (laughs) this way. just you know the the calming effects of it so sweet but yeah i'm interested i'm interested i definitely you know i i didn't have the same if you listen to that i did not have the same like pointing because I, I hated the thing that we watched, so. I was going to say, I think no matter what, you're going to like this better than Manifestation Babes. I, I think you're going to like this better. Uh, and and also better, better than the alien one. Yeah, better than the, the fifth <laughs> dimension or whatever. I've been the negative force in those episodes. <laughs> <laughs> we need that. Yeah, I'm excited to see if, if you find it helpful for your, for your anxious body and so you can be more glitter. More glitter, less anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> you can't have enough cowbell. You can't have enough glitter. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Love it. Awesome. All right. Well, if nobody has anything else, then I want to put a challenge out to our suds to let us know what your experience with meditation is and if you have a favorite type of meditation. two or three weeks from now on this topic, but we'll decide that later because you guys don't give a shit about that. (laughs) And so I keep talking about it anyway. (laughs) All right. Seriously though, until next time, dive in, stay curious and be happy.
listening to another episode of Siren Soapbox. Before you go, please show your support by subscribing and leaving an honest review for the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay connected to the Sirens on Facebook at Siren Soapbox. And if you haven't already, tell your community about the Siren Soapbox so they can join this thriving sisterhood too. Thank you and catch you on the next episode.